ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fourth episode of my Save Bed show, the podcast. This is the first of summer specials, so I hope you will pardon my summary attire. I happen to be in sunny Portugal and with me today, and it's a great privilege and pleasure to have her on the show, is Grunia Hurst, perhaps in not so sunny UK. Hello, Grunia, welcome to the show. Hi, Martin. Sadly, I'm not in Portugal, but London will have to do. I'm sure it most definitely will. For those, I'm sure those few of you who wouldn't have come across Gronja Hurst, let me briefly introduce her. Gronja Hurst is the Group Director of Corporate Affairs with the Entain Group, so a very dear and very esteemed colleague of mine, one of the trailblazers and most definitely leading lights when it comes to corporate affairs, in particular, responsible gambling in the UK and beyond. And as I've said, it's great to have Gronja on the show. She's been in various iterations, roles and capacities with Entain, previously GVC, previously Ludbrook School. She's been with the business for short for over six years. And I would really like to kick the today's show, perhaps a bit selfishly, with a question about Gronja's name. And the reason I'm saying selfishly is that my family name, and I suppose I'm lucky that I don't have a typical Czech first name, because then that would have gone completely perfect. But my family name gets mispronounced all the time. So just for the record, it's pronounced Lichka, no Lika, no first beast in the space, no Lika, Lichka, no such Thing, but I presume Gronja, and it is Gronja, nothing else, that you might have come across funny situations like that when it comes to your first name. So to kick us off, would you mind giving us a few of the most hilarious mispronouncements of your first name? Yeah, of course. Great question. So pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Martin. Um, there are so many to choose from when it comes to mispronunciations of my name. So Gronja means grace in Irish, and sometimes I wish that my parents had just stuck to the simplicity of grace. Uh, but I am proud of my Irish heritage, so I will continue to live with it. Uh, but some of my favourites are Grainy, Granny, Grain. But probably my top one of choice so far has been Cherryhurst, which I think has quite a nice ring to it. So maybe in later life, I might switch my name by default to Cherry. But for now, I'll stick with Gronja. And we shall stick to it as well. So most definitely no Granny, Granny or Groin, <laughs> let alone Grain or anything, anything like that. And we're certainly most graced to have Gronja, to have Gronja Hurst on the show. The other rather long-standing inside joke the two of us have is that we started calling each other corporate other halves, emphasis, I have to say, on the word corporate, because we're both <laughs> happily married, both to other people, but perhaps for the benefit of the audience, would you mind explaining where this has come from and perhaps illuminate <laughs> us all as to what do we actually, what do you actually do and what I actually do for intent? 
Yeah, pleasure. So I thought it was quite a nice way to describe what we do as corporate other halves because I look after the international regulatory affairs at Entain minus the Americas, which is obviously covered by a wonderful chap called Martin, who you might have heard of. Um, and it was quite a good explanation for external folk who don't know what we do, how we split it, who does what. Um, but it did raise a few eyebrows when I forgot to add the corporate bit to corporate other half in a meeting a few weeks ago. So note to self that I will always make a point of adding the corporate in so people don't think that we are of the Matt Hancock and Gina camp, which has been a recent development in the UK politics. Most definitely not. It's still a pleasure to be your corporate other half. I'm sure that dropping the word corporate would have raised a few eyebrows at my end as well. So we will indeed stick to the full title, which I think is utterly, utterly brilliant. Moving on to the meaty issue of this podcast, namely responsible gambling and consumer protection. Of course, you're known in the industry for many things, but in particular for being, if you pardon the pun, the founding mother of, well, at that point, GDCs, of course, these days, and things changing for the better program. So if you could briefly, for those who might have not come across it yet, explain what the program is all about, what the pillars are, and what is it designed to achieve? Yeah, pleasure. I like the founding mother description. So changing for the better really stemmed from our desire as GBC at the time, to want to get ahead of the game when it came to responsible gambling. We recognised that there were a number of fronts to the multifaceted issue of gambling addiction and that there was no one single silver bullet. So we sat down, put our brains together and tried to tackle as many of those issues as we possibly could as part of our Changing for the Better strategy. It's a global strategy that sits across all of Entain and it encompasses things that range from the importance of research into the causes and consequences of addiction, which we do with the Harvard Medical School and also now Professor Mark Griffiths, to things like educating lots of various stakeholders, whether that be young children through charitable partnerships with YGAM and Epic and GAMCARE across various jurisdictions to other stakeholders like professional sports people, because we know that sports professionals are more likely to have a gambling addiction than those who aren't. And then it encompasses other elements such as advertising responsibly and also increasing our funding for education and treatment of the small minority who might suffer from gambling addiction. Um, it was always meant to be a living and breathing document, so not static, but was constantly evolving and changing. And hopefully we will come on a bit later, Martin, to talk about our new Advanced Responsibility and Care Programme, uh, which is part of the Changing for the Better programme. Um, but we are proud of what we've already achieved with it, um, and I'm sure that some of you will have seen that last year we were awarded the most responsible gambling operator of the year, which was a real testament to all the team's hard work in this area. Absolutely. Although I might be biased, but I know how hard you and your team have worked on this. So let me say that 
I believe that the award has been very well deserved and indeed we will come on to talking about how as an organization, so not only you and your team and me and of course many other people, how we intend to take the program forward. But let's stick into changing for the better now, if I may. And I apologize if this is a tricky question, but I cannot, I cannot but ask because I'm sure that, that the folk out there will be wondering how we actually, besides of Russian any awards aside, how do we actually measure success of any such program or in this case, in this particular case, the success of the origin of changing for the better? In other words, how in your view did that program change the industry for the better, if you part another part? Yeah, great question. So I think it's a mixture of things. I think it's raising awareness of the issue and making sure that there are more pathways for people to go to to get treatment for the small minority of those that have a problem with their gambling. But I think it's also bringing the industry together so it's not just us it's not just the rest of the industry it's not just the academics who work in this space it's not just the charities we need everybody to work together for the greater good and obviously our main aim is to make sure that the levels of problem gambling are going down instead of up Um, and I think that we have been encouraged to see that in some of our major jurisdictions, even during the pandemic, that levels of problem gambling have been reducing, which isn't just down to us. Obviously, it's a team effort across the industry and across the sector. But I think that that's really the true test of success for the programme. And I believe that is the absolutely critical message, of course, the Gambling industry is an industry that is characterized by very stiff competition. Some people would be even prepared to go as far as arguing that we might be at one another's throats with other operators. But I hope you will agree with me that when it comes to responsible gambling, this is most definitely not about competition. And it's meant to be all these programs are designed to live in harmony with many other programs out there. Moving on to another flavour of the year, if you will, and that is the review that the UK government has launched into the 2005 Gambling Act. It's needless to say that you've been heavily involved. So I was just wondering what you would expect in terms of the outcome of that review and what what is it that the future might hold for the UK gambling legislation? So the UK government are currently consulting on updating the now slightly outdated 2005 Gambling Act review. Um, We have played a full role in that um, and are fully supportive of their aims and objectives, which is to bring the current gambling legislation in the UK from the analogue age when everybody had the old massive Nokia phones into the digital age where everybody does everything on their smartphones and their iPads and their smartwatches. Um, And so we're fully supportive of that. We're also very encouraged that the UK government are taking an evidence-led approach to it. 
because there are lots of people who have quite strong views on gambling. Um, and I think we would all agree that any decision that needs to be taken has to be taken on the evidence rather than on opinions. Um, and in terms of things that we're probably likely to see, obviously, this is my best guesstimate. But I would imagine that the UK government would think about looking into areas such as shirt sponsorship, whether there should be an ombudsman for gambling, for consumer address, and hopefully technological solutions to helping the small minority of customers who have a problem with their gambling in a personalised way, but not impinging on the vast majority who like to have a little flutter. Indeed, picking up on uh, one of the many very pertinent points you have made, there is clearly, that's borne out by research that's been conducted into this space, there's a small minority of people that do require help. And again, I suppose I may be, may be biased, but I truly believe that the likes of Entain, to your other point about there being no need for competition in the space where there has been one of the leading lights and one of the trailblazers when it comes to enhancing the levels of protection of those that cannot gamble responsibly. But I suppose, would you agree with me if I say that sometimes what gets either underestimated or even neglected as part of these processes is the large majority of the industry's customers who can and do gamble responsibly? And is there anything else that you can foresee that would need to be done for this majority group of customers? Yeah, so I think it's a really good point, And it's one of my bugbears, I would say, in the debate, that the vast majority of customers who like a bet on, you know, a sport of their choice, or they like to play poker or roulette as part of their entertainment, are not necessarily listened to as a voice in the debate. And we at Entain have tried to do something about that. So we set up about a year ago what we call the Players Panel. And that is a group of customers of ours that feel very strongly that they should have a voice in the debate around the future of gambling regulation. Um, they are doing that all off their own back. They don't get paid for it. They don't have any financial benefit from Entain for doing it, but they do it because they like what they do as part of their entertainment and they want to make sure that their voice is heard. And one of the things that we found really interesting, actually, during the course of the pandemic is when we've asked those customers how they feel about governments and regulators trying to tell them how they should spend their own time and money and leisure, a huge percentage have said actually that that should be up to them to decide. So originally it was around 80% of customers that said actually it should be down to us to decide just like how we decide how much money we spend on Amazon or, you know, how much we spend on our weekly shop, we should be allowed to decide how much we spend betting and gaming. And that number actually rose from 80% to 94% during the course of the pandemic, which I think shows that with everybody being locked down, there is an increasing sense that people want to have control over what they're able to control in their own lives. 
Absolutely. I believe that the key message is that there's a vast majority of customers out there who A, can and do gamble responsibly, also crucially and critically. They are brave enough, if you will, to want to have their voices heard and ultimately they want to have the power to decide whether they would spend their money on gambling or not and how much money that would be. If I may pick up on another point that uh, you have alluded to in connection with the government's review and that's the use of technology for responsible gambling or even the broader consumer protection purposes and that's also, at least I hope, a handy segue into a topic that we've already briefly touched upon, um, namely Entain's Advanced Responsibility and Care Program, or ARC for short, that's how we started calling it internally and then uh, yeah. also that's how we started calling it externally. So would you mind expounding on the program a bit again, what the objectives are? Yeah, pleasure. So our ARC system is an innovative technological solution, if you like, to provide personalised and unique player protections for each and every one of our customers. So rather than a blanket approach to regulation and player protection, what we believe is the best way to approach it is actually tracking our customers' behaviour to see if they're playing problematically. And we do that through a mixture of algorithms, behavioural analytics, academic expertise, to actually track what customers are doing in real time, eventually. And when we see that they might be spending late at night, or if they're chasing their losses, or using various deposit methods, what we can do is actually intervene with those customers to say, Martin, we've noticed for argument's sake that you're playing late at night. You don't normally do that. You know, if this is unusual, maybe you should think about setting a deposit limit or setting a time limit for your spend. Now, if for any reason you decided not to do any of that and we continue to see that you are playing problematically, then what ARC can actually do is intervene and change that customer experience for you. So whether that's removing particular products from your home screen carousel, which we might notice you're playing problematically on, and or even setting a dynamic staking limit for you, then ARC will be able to do that. And we're really excited about the possibilities of that because we know that each of our customers has different playing preferences, habits, you know, games that they like, and therefore their experience with us is all personalised and we think that our, their player protection system should be personalised, which again goes back to my point, and sorry, I probably sound like a broken record, but we have a safety net in place through ARC for the small minority of customers that need it. But we don't penalise the majority of those that enjoy our products safely and securely on a day-to-day -day basis. I can assure the audience that no records have been broken while filming this podcast, because the point you've just made is extremely important, and I cannot overstate how significant and pertinent it is, because uh, I suppose that... Throughout the years, the industry has established being supported by the likes of the researchers and others in this space that one size fits all when it comes to consumer protection 
simply does not work. And the other critical point I would pick out from what you've just said is that this is, of course, not a static piece. It's very much dynamic, work in progress, and then leads me to my next question. When can the audience and the folks out there see ARC in action, when do we expect it to be live and where? Great question. So we are in trials at the moment. Obviously, it's really important that we test and learn the ARC system before we let it loose on all of our platforms. But we're hoping that it will be live in the UK and several other of our international markets by the end of this year. And the other thing I would say is that it's not just, we haven't just created ARC in the vacuum of our Entain offices um, or virtually at home, I should say, recently. What we've done is basically take the expertise from the gambling addiction experts at the Harvard Medical School of Professor Mark Griffiths, who has over 30 years of experience in all of these issues, and also with Epic Risk Management, who are independents in lived experience of gambling addiction. And we've taken all of their input and expertise to actually help us understand what the new markers of protection are we should be looking for in our customers. And there's evidence behind each and every one of those so that we know that we're actually looking for the right behavioural markers in our customers to ensure that we're targeting the right approach to those that need it. Through blend of uh, what's best out there, at the same time we have clearly admitted to ourselves that there's still a lot of work to be done and we will most definitely not be resting on our laurels. Let me now move on to three final sets of questions. Hopefully you will not find them too unfair, but in particular the first one might be, and that is, and I've asked all my previous guests that question, if that's of any consolation. If you were to define responsible gambling, if that's even possible, what would be your definition of what is the end game here? What are we trying to do and achieve? Yeah, that is the million dollar question. So for us, it's making sure that we provide the best and innovative and effective player protection systems that are personalized for our customers, taking to account their playing preferences, the products they like, their habits, and using our technology to ensure that we can do that in the most efficient and effective way. But the ultimate aim, I think, for all of us has to be to reduce the levels of problem gambling, because obviously one problem gambler in the industry is far too many. And that's something that I think eventually we would all like to see. Absolutely. I can only say amen to that. But perhaps one question that relates to different geographies, because as you've pointed out, our changing for the better strategy is clearly global and I suppose ultimately ARC or aspiration will be to launch ARC at least in a number of jurisdictions around uh, the world. And we both have been exposed for our work with Entain and previously GVC to a true variety of jurisdictions. And personally, I would suggest that just like the one-size-fits-all approach cannot apply to individual customers or individual customers 
groups. It can't apply to individual jurisdictions with a whole mixed bag of cultural idiosyncrasies. So what would you say to that? Yeah, completely agree. Um, and so a really good example of this is when we're looking at rolling out the markers of protection in ARC to some of our international markets, we obviously have to flex that. Um, and internally, we call it the kind of pick and mix markers of protection because some of them just simply don't work in other European cultures. For example, in Spain, you know, playing late at night is probably not a marker of concern because their culture and their days are very different to ours in the UK. So whereas playing late at night in the UK might be quite unusual, in Spain that might be the time at which people decide that they want to gamble with their friends or you know have a bit of a flutter. So there's definitely not a one-size-fits-all approach and we have to look at it on a market-by-market basis so that we don't kind of lift and lay what works in one market to others and expect the same outcomes because that just won't happen. I hope it won't sound too terrible or even worse if I say that in Spain, it would rather be a cause of concern if somebody gambled at 8 or 9 a.m. in the morning. But talking about all these uh, lovely countries leads me on to my next question, because we are filming this po- podcast at the heat of the Euros 2020 championship. I'm still buzzing from the glorious victory that... My home country team, the Czech Republic, sport against the mighty Oranjes last night. At the same time, we're filming ahead of the England-Germany game tomorrow tomorrow night. Of course, the podcast will be only broadcast after, but this still gives us an opportunity to do a bit of a crystal ball glazing. And of course, I couldn't resist, but... Nick, by now, the standard, the classic quote of Gary Lineker. Uh, Football is a simple game. 22 men chase the ball for 90 minutes. And at the end, the Germans always win. So I will give Gronja an opportunity to set the record straight and ask her whether she believes that this time it will be the free lions the mighty Albion that will have beaten the Germans and will make it through to the next round. Yeah, so I am going to be patriotic and positive and say that football is definitely coming home this year. I have said it many times in various different international competitions, but I do think that this time we have a real fighting chance. And I'm hoping that by the time this podcast goes out, I'm not completely embarrassed and humiliated by saying that not only will we beat Germany, but we could actually go all the way. That's a very bold prediction. We should wish England the best of luck. Uh, I will not break into singing, it's coming home, it's coming home, <laughs> because the audience would, would run away and I would most definitely disgrace myself even more than I normally do. But yeah, on the back of Grunia's comments, I shall be hoping that we will have a rerun of the preliminary stages game between England and Team Czech Republic in the final, but I'll be crossing my fingers so that the outcome of that final is rather different and that the Czechs will manage to replicate what they did back in 1976 as opposed to 
it would not be a carbon copy of what England managed to do back in 1966. Ladies and gentlemen, the final and by now usual unfair and rather uh, tricky task for Grunya is to summarize all her thoughts and convey the message she'd like to convey to the audience in the next 60 seconds. So Grunya, if you don't mind, the floor is yours. Thank you. So pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me again, Martin. The thing that I would leave you all with is the fact that safer gambling is at the heart of Entame. It is now baked into our business strategy. Um, we have also linked it to our people's remuneration um, and we basically live and breathe it every day. And our aim is to make sure that those who have problems with their gambling are picked up through the safety net that we have using our innovative technology through ARC and that we can intervene and interact with those customers in a timely and efficient manner to make sure that we can ensure they can carry on playing with us safely. And we will continue to do as much as we can every day to make sure that we continue to progress our safer gambling credentials and make sure that we keep our products safe and fun and enjoyable. And with that said, the audience, ladies and gentlemen, this was the wonderful Gronya, not Granny, not Groin, <laughs> Kitty Hurst. This was the wonderful Gronya Hurst, the Group Director of Corporate Affairs at Entain, my very esteemed colleague. My name is Martin Lechka, and this was the fourth episode of my Safe Bet Show. Take good care, and we shall speak again soon.